0: I wanted to ask you, those of you guys watching online, you guys in the room, I wanted to ask you, how are you doing? I mean, really. I mean, in this broken world that's a dumpster fire, how are you doing, really? Because recent research indicates that one third of us are struggling right now with anxiety and depression. I mean, you may have, we've been stuck in this COVID pit for two years, and you may have escaped the virus, but you likely have a bad case of the lonelies. Isolation and loneliness is now an epidemic in our country. I had a lady recently at our Saturday night service tell me that the only hug she gets every week is the hug she gets here at church. So I hugged her seven times. almost, maybe four and a half. Um, But if you happen to be one of the hundred million people in America who are struggling with anxiety and depression right now, I feel your pain. Six months into COVID, man, I was in a dark pit of despair. It was painful. Anxiety through the roof. And so I just took, I hate anxiety, I hate depression, and so I took immediate action to to position God so he could lift me out of that dark pit of fear and despair. I did two things. First, I stopped watching the news. I was a news junkie. Yeah. I think my IQ is like way up here now. No, I stopped watching the news. it It was wrecking my mental health. It was killing me emotionally. And secondly, I began to double down on Jesus. Just everything, more time in his word. All the time I felt I wasted chasing every new news cycle, I invested in Jesus. More time in his word, more time with him in prayer, more time with him in worship, more time serving people personally in his name. And if you want a clear path, it's that simple out of depression and anxiety. Now, I don't wanna diminish the pain of it, I felt it, but I'm telling you, more time with Jesus in his word, more time with Jesus in prayer, more time worshiping Jesus, worship your way out of the struggle, more time serving people. There is joy in serving Jesus. Where are you gonna find joy? You gotta take your eyes off yourself and look to Jesus. So, man, it paid huge benefits for me. I still don't watch the news. I still OD on Jesus, and I have this heightened sense of hope, pervasive peace, a genuine joy an unlimited love, and surprisingly, a new and fresh spiritual strength, and I want you to find the same. So beginning today, we are launching an exciting, action-packed adventure with the epic Jesus And I say epic adventure, epic... I'm not overstating the case. In fact, I want you to wring every drop of benefit from this new teaching series. Grab on your way out 40-day prayer guide to pray your way toward Easter. Study guide. Don't just grab the study guide. Grab a friend, a family member, a group of friends. Meet with them at Starbucks, in your home, in their home, and go through the study guide together. This book by Mark Moore is sensational. It is really causing me to grow in my spiritual. It's 15 minutes a day of passionate pursuit of Jesus. It's like 15 bucks. Um, The other stuff is all free. But, But here's the deal, the word epic means extraordinary. And what I want you to find is a depth of real relationship with Jesus where you become, you begin to experience his extraordinary presence and his extraordinary work in your life. I mean, you can go to church. You can know about Jesus. You can engage with him at certain levels uh, in prayer and maybe Bible study, but it's when you go to the right level of relationship that you discover the extraordinary Jesus. Now we are going to use the Gospel of Mark. It's Matthew Mark. It's the second book in the New Testament. We are going to use Mark as our study guide for this adventure. And I say adventure because Mark, he 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 gives us his perspective on Jesus in rapid fire fashion. It's just like it's his focus is on all the actions of Jesus. All the actions of Jesus. And so he's just like in hyperdrive, carrying us along restlessly on the way to the cross in the empty tomb. Now in Mark, he uses three words over a thousand times. The words and, now, and immediately. It's like this. And Jesus did this. Now Jesus did this. Immediately, Jesus did this. And Jesus did that. It's just bam, bam, bam. Action after action after action. He wants you to come to an extraordinary level of relationship with Jesus by watching how Jesus acts. Now, if I could summarize the entire 16 chapters of Mark in one sentence, it would be what the angel said to a small group of anxiety-ridden women who found themselves in desperate depression. Here's what the angel said. The angel said, don't be afraid. Let go of your fear, stop worrying, stop obsessing on the things that make you afraid. Don't be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus and that's why you're here. You're looking for Jesus, that's why you're watching online. You're looking for Jesus and I commend your passion. I commend that you're willing to join this pursuit of the Christ. Don't be afraid, I know you're looking for Jesus. The one they nailed on a cross, he isn't here. He came back to life. Look, that's where his body was lying. Now go and give this message to his disciples. Jesus is going ahead of you. I love that fact about Jesus. He's the God who goes ahead of us. We face each of us an uncertain future with unknown outcomes. We don't know how it's gonna happen. Every week. People tell me they've lost a loved one. A month and a half ago, they didn't even see it coming. But now they're in the emotional battle of their lives, grieving regularly, people tell me. The doctor told them they have cancer. They didn't see it coming. It's an uncertain future with unknown outcomes, but here's what we know. Jesus is going ahead of us. Jesus is going ahead of us, working everything together for the good. Jesus is going ahead of us, making everything beautiful, in it's time. We face battles in the future. But Jesus goes ahead of us to win victory after victory after victory for our marriage, for our emotions, for our money, for our parenting, victory after victory. He's a winning Jesus. Now, here's the gut check question. There is no doubt. It's a guarantee that we've got a go-ahead Jesus who goes ahead of us into the struggle. The question is, are we following Jesus Are we following the Jesus that goes ahead of us? Because though he goes ahead of us to work everything together for the good, we may deviate, we may leave the path, we may get lost, we may stop following him. He's ahead of us to work everything together for the good. The question is, are you following hard after Jesus? Here's how Jesus himself concludes the book of Mark, he says this, anyone who believes in me and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe in me will be condemned. That's the last page in Mark's gospel. Here's the first page, first page, first sentence in the first chapter of Mark, here's how it opens it. And if it was it's like a drama in a theater, and maybe the audience is kind of whispering and murmuring among themselves, and then the lights go down, and this time, the curtains, they don't slide up, they are ripped open. And there's this trumpet fanfare that blasts all sound out of the room. There's a spotlight center stage, and a professional announcer steps into the spotlight, grabs a mic, and makes this declaration. This is the good news about Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Right out the gate, Mark establishes the unique, one-of-a-kind identity of Jesus. The name Jesus means Savior. The title Christ means King. And this Savior King is the Son of God. As much God as God the Father is God, that's his identity. And friends, identity is everything. Mark presents right up front the identity, unique and distinctive of Jesus, because God knows we, you and I, we struggle with our identity. I, I, I know, I'm a husband. I know I'm a dad, a grandpa, a pastor. But if that's all I am, that's as empty as a shell. Do you know? Um that when you get to know the true identity of Jesus, then you get to know the true identity. I mean, of who you are. When you know who Jesus is, you can then know who you are. And this is huge because right now, most people, the vast majority of people struggle with identity issues. Do you know the number one question that was asked on the internet in 2021? Google came up with this, that millions of times a month, every month in 2021, the most asked question on the internet was this, who am I? People by the millions are going to Google asking what's my identity? And so guess what? I Googled it. I Googled who am I? And up on the screen, Okay, my picture, no, just kidding. No, (laughs) I know, I'm weird. Father, forgive me for lying at church. No, here's what popped up. Psychiatric studies indicating that people struggle with their identity because they base their identity, who they are, on things that don't matter and things that don't last, like appearance. I mean, not everybody can look as good as me. Things that don't last and things that don't matter, like how much money I have, what kind of car I drive, what kind of house I live in, how much education I have. That's false identity. The studies went on to say, our identities get warped in our relationships. As I said, if it's all about me being a husband, and a dad and a grandpa and a pastor. it really distorts who I am. The Apostle Paul, 164 times in his writings, established my true identity by using the phrase, in Christ. Doesn't matter how many degrees I have. It matters that I'm in Christ. Doesn't matter how many children I have. It matters that I am in Christ. It does matter how many wives I have. <laughs> Sweetheart, I love you. It matters that I am in Christ. Not the kind of house we live in, the car we drive. It matters that we are in Christ. That's where we discover the extraordinary of Jesus is getting our identity anchored in Christ. Here's how the apostle Paul wrote it. He said, Christ, my King, lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. That's Jesus my Savior. So, what do you think? Mark opens his gospel establishing the unique, definitive identity of Jesus, Savior, King, Son of God. Now, it's an action book, action-packed. It's an adventure. So, what do you think is the very first action Jesus puts on public display that would undergird his identity. Do you you think it's some breathtaking, mind-blowing miracle? Here's how Mark sets the stage for the first public action of Jesus. Scripture says, John the Baptist appeared in the wild preaching a baptism of life change that leads to forgiveness of sins people thronged to John the Baptist. I mean thousands. They came out of Judea, that's the southern part of Israel, the countryside, and Jerusalem, that's a capital city. They came and when they got there, they confessed their sins and were baptized by him in the Jordan River into a changed life. Say changed life. Changed life. Into a changed life. I got two thank you cards this week. Um, one from 10-year-old Landon and one from eight-year-old Brinley. And Brinley, if you wanna come down and get a hug, I'm available. I wanted to read you Brinley's thank you card. It reads like this. Thank you for our baptizing, David. I like that, baptizing. Thank you for our baptizing, David. I love you and I know you love me. You're the best. See you Sunday. Love, Brinley. I feel like a new person. Yeah. You are a new person. If the Olympics had hugging as an event, you'd get a gold medal. I love you. I love you, you, Vic. Not just uh, Brindley, her brother Landon, Uh, the young man that I baptized last night, Brandon, uh, that I'll baptize in just a little bit. New creation, the old is gone. It's one of the things I tell every candidate in the baptistry, we're putting your past behind you, bearing your baggage, you are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come, you are new in Jesus. You are enjoying now the wonderful life of Christ. So I want you um, to understand And Landon and Brindley and Brandon. This is what the apostle Paul says about the experience of baptism. He says, this is what baptism into the life of Jesus means. When we are lowered into the water, it's like the burial of Jesus. When we are raised up out of the water, it's like the resurrection of Jesus. You are given his wonderful new life to enjoy. And so, I want you to get a mental image of what's going on in the text. The Jordan River is striking in its beauty. I've been there half a dozen times, baptized people there, been baptized there. It runs from the Sea of Galilee, and it's like a running oasis all the way down to the Dead Sea. Palm trees everywhere, lush, green, beautiful foliage. Right now, in our story, In the text, thousands of people are crowding both banks of the Jordan. John the Baptist, wild-haired, wide-eyed, is preaching in the middle of the water. He's saying, come, come into the water, confess your sins, be baptized, have your sins all forgiven, and you will receive wonderful new life. Well, when this festival of faith reaches its peak, enter stage right. Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The Word says, at that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee. Now, it's a 70-mile hike from Nazareth down to where John was, 70 miles. Jesus says, I'm gonna, whatever it takes, whatever it demands of me physically, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna get to John the Baptist. I'm gonna be baptized. Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Now, time stinking out. What's going on here? This is the sinless Son of God. Jesus is Lord, he has no sin to confess. He has no need of forgiveness. He's done no sin, he knows no sin. He's in no need of wonderful new life. He is the life, the super abundant life. So what is Jesus doing being baptized? Why is Jesus, the Savior, the Christ, the Son of God, being baptized? Well, friends, this is is the Savior surrendering himself to God. Full surrender. He's 30 years old and surrendering him. This is the king humbling himself before God. This is the son of God in open obedience to his father in heaven. But there's more. The baptism of Jesus paints the first picture of his death, his burial, and his resurrection. He is put He is buried under the water. He is raised up, just like his resurrection, out of the water. But there's more. The baptism of Jesus points to your baptism. In that moment when he was brought up out of the water, he was thinking of the moment when you would come to him, when you would have your sins forgiven, when you too would be buried in the water and be raised up by the supernatural power of God into a new, wonderful life. The baptism of Jesus points to your baptism. He's dreamed of it from that moment when he was plunged beneath the surface of the Jordan. Here's what happened. Scripture says, as Jesus was coming up out of the water. Now, the gospel of Luke tells us that when Jesus came up out of the water, he comes up praying. He's praying. He might be sputtering, but he's praying. I wonder what Jesus was praying as he's brought up out of the water. Could, could it be that he was praying for you, that, that you would acknowledge that you're a sinner? Could it be that he was praying that, that you would be baptized? Could it be that he was praying that all your sins, past, present, and future, that they would all be forgiven forever? I know for sure what he was praying. I know for sure he was praying that he would receive the Holy Spirit. I know for sure he was praying, Father, I love you, I am your son. I want every action of my life to please you because God answered his prayers. Look what happened in the text. As Jesus came up out of the water, he saw the heavens splitting apart and the Holy Spirit descending on him like a dove and a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son, you bring me great joy. All three persons of the Godhead show up at the same time in the same moment. Here we have Jesus, the Son of God, drenched in the goodness of God. Here we have the Holy Spirit coming down with creative, miraculous power upon Jesus and here we have the Father speaking love, covering Jesus with his love. In fact, I tell every person that's in the baptistry with me, guess what? Guess what? Right now, God is whispering over your soul, you are my beloved child in whom I'm well pleased. You know one of the remarkable things that happened for Brindley and Landon, Aaron last night, Brandon in just a few moments. Jesus is on tiptoes right now he is ready to shout out Brandon's name before God the Father and all the angels. Jesus said, if you will confess me before men, I will confess that I know you before my Father who is in heaven. For the last eight weeks, our church has been in a study of chapter eight in the book of Rome. It's called The Greatest Book in the Bible. It's a letter to the church in Rome Letter to the church in Rome. Guess who is a member of the church in Rome? Mark. Mark attended the church in Rome, just like you attend Central Christian. He was engaged, he served people in the church in Rome, just like you serve. He gave out of his finances, just like you give. Mark attended, the. guess who the pastor was in the church in Rome? Peter one of the best friends of Jesus. In fact, Peter was Mark's source. The 16, all the actions that Mark wrote in those 16 chapters, he got all the info. He got all the insight. He got the vision for his book from Peter. Peter was personally present for every action of Jesus. And Peter got an opportunity. Peter got an opportunity to talk about your identity and my identity in Christ and the identity of Jesus. Puts it all together with these words. Peter said, change your life, turn to God and be baptized each of you in the name of Jesus Christ so your sins are forgiven. Receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Last night, um, I blessed Aaron with a prayer from Ephesians 3.17, where scripture says, rooted and established in love, I pray that you will grasp the height and the depth, the length and the breadth of the love of Christ for you and be filled to the full with the fullness of God. So, into the depths of his love. Aaron, You're being bathed in the goodness of God. Everything bad about you is put on Jesus, and everything good about Jesus is put on you. All your sin, Jesus was made to be everything wrong with you, and you are being made the righteousness of God. Jesus was baptized to point you to his cross and his resurrection. Jesus was baptized to point to the possibility of your baptism, your forgiveness. your receiving the gift of the Holy Spirit. You're being raised up by the supernatural power of God. That's the promise of the Bible, to do life on a whole new trajectory. Thank you so much for listening to the Central Wired podcast. Be sure to stay connected with us at centralwired.com and have a great week.